Hi, this is Sarit Schwetzer, and welcome to the It Is Taught podcast, a podcast devoted to the teachings of Rabbi Schneir Zalman of Liadi, as recorded in his most famous work, the Tanya. My hope for this show is to make these teachings accessible and relatable to the average person, regardless of prior Jewish education or affiliation. The episodes follow the prescribed daily study portions and are meant to serve as practical lessons in how to live your life as your true self and develop an authentic and powerful relationship with your creator. I have personally experienced the effects the study of this work has had on me, and I'm excited to share what I can of this knowledge with you. So please join me on this journey of learning, self-growth, and connection with your source. Hi, and welcome to the It Is Top podcast. This is episode 553 for the 9th of Sivan in a regular year. Today we're going to talk about miracles. So really fun subject, right? Who doesn't like miracles? <laughs> so miracles are wondrous, they're fun, they're magical, they're really great. And throughout Judaism, we see many, many examples of miracles, right? All kinds of different things that we experienced as being miraculous. Maybe you can think of some miracles in your own life that you think of and, and refer to as miracles. But perhaps the biggest miracle of all, or the one that is sort of like the archetype of all miracles that gets referenced probably the most, is the miracle of the splitting of the Red Sea. When we were leaving Egypt, we were running away from the Egyptians, and we encountered the sea, and we didn't know what to do, and God split the sea. And the sea behaved in a very unnatural way, and it actually stood straight upright, making a pathway for the Jews to cross through on the land to get to the other side of the sea. So what we're going to actually learn about today is that as miraculous as the splitting of the sea was, it actually was not the biggest miracle of all. There's actually a much more fundamental miracle at play, which is not only a one-time event. It's not something that we can point to and say like, oh, look, this is, this is that splitting of the sea. How amazing is that? But it's actually the miracle of our very lives, the miracle of our very existence. Because while truly it was something very extraordinary and something very outside of the norm that happened when the sea split, nevertheless, what was really happening there is that there was the nature of water, which is usually to flow downwards. That's how water usually does. That's the natural law of water. The, and then here, the, the nature of water changed and shifted so that now it became standing upright. Nevertheless, what a, where does this nature of water come from to begin with? The whole fact that water exists, the whole fact that there is a natural law, that's a lot more miraculous than just changing that not law, the nature of the law itself, right? So the way that we'll really come to understand this today, and this is the subject of today's episode, is by really looking at the difference between the creation of something by a human being versus the creation of something by God. And the ultra is going to really talk about how this is really the, one of the biggest mistakes that philosophers make in terms of their heresy, in terms of denying God or misunderstanding God and misunderstanding how it is that God creates the world and that they liken the creation of the world, the way God creates the world to the way that man creates. And the fundamental difference between these two things is because the way that man creates anything, whether it's creating, creating a house, creating a piece of jewelry, creating some pottery or whatever it is, 
they're not really creating. What any the best we can do as human beings is to take one substance and make it into something else, change its form, change its shape, maybe even change its texture, maybe even change it from like a gas to a solid to a liquid, which is pretty cool, right? But we're not actually creating anything. What only God can do, and this is how God creates, and this is what makes God unique is the creation of ex nihilo, something from nothing. So while yes, it is very amazing when we see like a true artist at work, a true builder that builds something really incredible, that's really incredible for sure. And truly the experience of, we don't want to diminish that experience that we all had at the splitting of the sea and how miraculous that was. But there's a much more fundamental miracle at play that we just really take for granted day after day after day, which is our very lives, which is the whole existence of these laws of nature to begin with. So let's get straight into the text. And for context today, we are beginning chapter two of Shari Chodva Amunah. And so here we go. So the altar Rebbe says that he's, he's continuing with yesterday's section of where we talked about how it is that the fundamental reality of the entire universe is really built on God's word, on his utterances, the utterances through which he created the world. And this is what underlies all of our creation and all of our reality and brings it into life, something from nothing at all times. So the Altarverse says that in this teaching, in this understanding of the building blocks of the world, we can come to bring an answer to those heretics and to reveal the source of their error to those people that deny the existence of divine providence and to, and, and to, to deny the miracles that are stated in the Torah. Because like, you know, a lot of philosophers and heretics, they, they say to themselves like, oh, those stories that are in the Torah, you really believe them? You really believe that God split the sea and did these things? So through today's episode and through understand this fundamental underpinning of, of reality, we can really come to appreciate and see where these philosophers are mistaken. So the Alter Rebbe says that the fundamental mistake that these philosophers make is that they, in their false understanding and their false imagination, they are likening God's work who creates the heavens and the earth to the work of man and to his machinations. Because when a person goes out to create a vessel, then the vessel, no, after creating that vessel, then the vessel no longer needs the creator. Because even after, like, imagine if you picture somebody who's like making like a, a pot, a, a, a bowl out of pottery or something like that. So after creating that bowl, then the person makes that bowl and then the person leaves and the person goes off into the marketplace and everything. But the bowl is still there. The bowl still exists, just like it was immediately after leaving the maker's hands. So people think, so people, these philosophers, they make the mistake that this is exactly how God creates the world. And this is how the heavens and the earth were created. But they don't see the great difference between the, the work of man and his machinations which is something from something, which is merely what is something from something, is that if we're merely changing the form of something, changing the shape of something. So it's like we're taking like a piece of silver and we're making it into a vessel. So it's like, let's say if somebody formed this like silver bowl, they took a block of silver and they made that block of silver into a very beautiful silver bowl. Yes, it's a very beautiful silver bowl, but it's really something from something. Versus when we're talking about the action of the, uh, the creation of the heavens and the earth, this is a creation that comes something from nothing. And this is a much more wondrous thing. And this is so much more wondrous even than the splitting of the sea. 
by way of analogy. So this is what I was talking about in the introduction, because in the splitting of the sea, what happened was that God caused there to be like this very strong wind that was there for the entire, for the entire night. And then the water split and then they stood up like a wall. And if God would have ceased blowing this wind, even for a moment, then the water would have come back down as is its way in nature. So the nature of water is to flow down in this way. And they wouldn't have stood upright. So really the miraculous thing about the splitting of the sea was the fact that God was constantly causing this wind to be there to cause the water to go against its nature and to stand upright when really it usually goes down. However, says the Altarebbe, this nature of the water that we take for granted that it flows downwards is also a creation. And it's also something which has created something from nothing at all times. Because we see, for example, like there's rocks and the, and the nature of rocks is to stand upright on its own accord without any wind, J just that the nature of the water is to flow downwards. So to sum up where we're up to so far in this section, this idea of ex nihilo, this idea of creation, something from nothing, what is so unique about it is that first of all, it's something which only God is capable of. So we talked about the idea that philosophers tend to make this error when they start to question or doubt the existence of God or miracles that we read about in the Bible and things like that, is that they fail to recognize a very basic fact, which is that the way that God creates is not the way that humans create. So that's number one. So it's like when humans create, even the most innovative scientists in the world, while they might be able to create some really imaginative things, no matter what they're doing, it's always going to be something from something. So even like, you know, scientists nowadays have figured out how to create life, like in a, in a lab, you know, and we see even like with, we can create babies now in an artificial kind of way with IVF. So it really is very amazing technology. But at the end of the day, no matter how amazing this technology is, they're always working with raw materials. They're always working with something. The only being that can create something from nothing, from absolutely nothing, is God. Now, the second thing that's really amazing to recognize about God is that this concept of ex nihilo was not just a one-time event. So people talk about the Big Bang, how the world was created through a Big Bang. So while there are some parallels to that in terms of Torah literature, if you get into it, one fundamental difference in terms of Hasidus with that is that the Big Bang is thought of as being a one-time event that happened many, many years ago, and that's it. And now we, here we have our world. And what we'll, we'll learn about in Tanya is that this creation ex nihilo, this Big Bang, was not just a one-time event. It's actually something that's happening perpetually and continuously at all times. And we're, if God were to seize even for a moment to stop this process of creation, the entire world would revert to not and nothingness as if it never existed at all. And the way that this happens is through the letters of speech, through the letters of God's speech. So now we're going to learn about a little bit about that and what that means and how what might seem obvious that God's speech is not like human speech, but it's actually something a little bit different. Uh, it's And we'll We'll try to understand to the best of our ability what that means a little bit today. It does get deeper into it in the Tanya further on, but today's going to give us a little bit of an insight into that. So getting back into the text now, we're talking about how God needed to be constantly present uh, in keeping the water upright and the splitting of the sea and how if God were to remove himself, his, uh, his presence, remove his energy, uh, even for one moment, then the water would have gone back and... 
reverted back to just flowing and not not standing upright like a rock all the more so can we say that this is the true this is true when we talk about the creation of ex nihilo which is even way above nature and it's an even greater miracle than the splitting of the red sea so we talked about this yesterday right that it's like we think of the splitting of the red sea as such an amazing miracle because it's like where the nature of water was fundamentally changed and uh and it started acting in a totally different way that was against its nature. But then the question comes up as to who created the nature of water to begin with, who created the water to begin with, that's God. And so the actual creation of this water to begin with something from nothing is way more miraculous than just changing the nature of that thing which has been created. So now the altar says here that just like when it came to that water, that God had to constantly be changing that nature so that it would stand upright like a wall and not f- flow downwards like water usually does. So to here, when it comes to the creation ex nihilo and actually creating the water, God has to constantly be involved. And if he were to take away his power out of creation, God forbid, then the creation would revert to not in nothingness. So thus we need, and so thus we need there to be this constant, it's a very active process of creation in order to keep everything alive, in order to vivify life and to keep it in existence. So it's like when we think about Ex Nihilo, it wasn't just a one-time Big Bang event. This is something that's happen, happening continuously and perpetually at all times. And now what is this continuous and perpetual creation that's happening? So the altar says this, this is the aspects of the letters of speech that come from the 10 utterances through which the world was created. So again, just a little review of what we talked mentioned this previously is that God we see in the creation of the world as as uh, told in Genesis in the Bible, it doesn't talk it doesn't say God made light, God made the land, God made the flowers and all that stuff. It's it talks about how God brought everything into existence through his speech. It says, and God said, let there be life. And then there was light, <laughs> and then there was light. Or he said, God said, let there be a firmament that divides between the higher lower higher waters and the lower waters and then it was such so and so on so we see that that the process of creation happens by virtue of speech and then now here the altar quotes a verse from Nehemiah chapter 9 verse 6 where it says et kulam which literally means and you vivify them all but he's going to give an even deeper understanding as to what this means he says first of all that when we say you vivify them all he says don't read vivify but rather read to bring into existence meaning to say that it's not just that god is giving life to everything but he's actually bringing them into existence and this is written in a present format it doesn't say and you brought them into existence or you vivified them it says you are vivifying them you are bringing them into existence and then he takes it even one step further if we look at the hebrew for this where it says you give bring them into existence or vivify them the word you in hebrew is made up of three letters. It's made up of the letters Aleph, Taf, and He. And so what this means is that 
when we say, and you vivify them, we think on a simplistic level, on a more superficial level, we're saying you, meaning God, you vivify them. But if we actually look at this, like really specifically in terms of the word, we see that these three letters are very significant because Aleph is the first letter of the Hebrew alphabet. Taf is the last letter of the Hebrew alphabet. And He is an interesting letter because it it's the He is, is, has a numerical value of five and it's an illusion to the five organs of verbal articulation. So we'll learn more about what those are later on uh, in brief, just if you want to know what they are. It's the larynx, the palate, the tongue, the teeth, and the lips. So this is like what the, the five organs of speech that we use in order to vocalize. And so basically, so it's like, again, so if we look at ata mechayet kulam, you give life to all of them or you bring them into existence it's it's not just saying you meaning just god i mean it is saying that it's god but it's it's saying something much deeper than that it's saying that these letters of speech bring the world into existence and so it's the letters aleph which is the first letter letter tough which is the last letter so it's like, sort of like alluding to like all the letters of the alphabet and then to this idea of speech this idea of the hey the the five uh organs of verbal articulation and then the ultra rabbi goes on and he says that even though the God doesn't have a body, so it's like, what does this mean when we say God speaks, God's verbal articulation, God's letters of speech? How can we understand this? Because we say God doesn't actually have a body, but yet we see in scripture, it often says, that God spoke or God said. So it must mean that there's some way that God does speech. So what does this mean? When we say these things, when we say, and God spoke to Moses or God spoke to Yeshayahu or any of the other prophets, what, are we, what do we mean by this? So what we mean is that, how the altar explains it, is that this was a revelation of the 22 letters, the 22 supernal level, letters to the Nevi'im. And they, these supernal letters became subsequently vested within their mind and within their understanding in the way that they experienced and they perceived their prophecy. So basically, it's like when we talk about this idea, when we think about prophecy in general and God speaking to the prophets, it's like, what what is that like? It's hard for us to relate to that because we know that God is not a person. So it's, when we picture two people talking to each other, we're like, okay, it wasn't we understand that it wasn't quite like that. And so what, what the altar is teaching us is that what, that what this means when we say that God spoke to the prophets, what this means is that his 22 letters of speech became revealed in their minds. And not only did it become revealed in their minds, but also in their thoughts and in their speech. And this is why we see that the way the prophets, the whole idea of being a prophet is that they spoke like the spirit of God spoke through them. And so here the altar brings a verse to kind of back this up. And this is from Shmuel Bet, chapter 23, verse 2, where it says, where it says, the spirit of God spoke through me and his word was upon my tongue. So this is what we see is that this, the prophets, when they spoke their prophecy, they were not speaking their own words. It was like God's speech, which is again, these 22 letters were revealed through them and became manifest through their speech. And uh, and then the altar of says that in the Shar Hanavua of the, of the Arizal, he explains this also. And so just like how the, um, the letters of speech became enclosed within, invested within the prophets, says the Altar Rebbe, these letters of speech also become, became vested and are vested in all of the different types of creatures, all of creation. And to 
to back this up, he quotes a verse from Tehillim, chapter 33, verse 6, which literally means by the word of God were the heavens made and by the breath of his mouth, all their hosts. So again, this idea that like creation is really intertwined, interconnected with speech. There's something about speech that speech is the vehicle by which God creates the world. And so now what now the thing is how this happens in turn, and this is how it's different than than the Navim. So the altar is going to say, okay, so what's what's the difference between how these letters become revealed for the prophets for the Navim versus how they become revealed for the for creation? Is that in the process of creation and the process of the letters becoming revealed in creation, this is through many many degradations, many like hishtalshalists, it's called, so many um, descents. Um, like a chain-like reactionary event kind of thing into, until it became, until it came down here into ASEA, into physical, the physical world of ASEA, which if you've been following along this podcast, you know, that's like the lowest of all the worlds, which is not the case in terms of the understanding of the, of the Navim, which the understanding of Navim was in Atsilus, which is the highest level, the highest of all worlds, which became enclosed in the world of Bria, which is the second to highest of all worlds. So that's a little bit of a technical note to be ending on, but the bottom line is that the prophets were receiving their prophecy in a revealed state that was like slightly more uh in this from this higher place kind of thing and when we receive the letters down here in terms of how the world is created it goes down through a little bit more of a descent a little bit more of a contractionary kind of thing and so this is kind of like just like a little teaser a little taste of what's further to come in this in this safer we're, we're going to really delve into these ideas a lot more so stay tuned but the bottom line just to, the takeaway to take away from today is that creation wasn't just a one-time event. It wasn't something that God did and, you know, then kind of just observes from afar, but rather it's something continuous. It's something that's happening every moment. God is constantly creating the world something for nothing at all times, um, way more so than in the way that he caused the splitting of the Red Sea, caused the the waters to stand upright. So this involvement of the world of God in the world, this involvement in God actually not only sustaining the world, but actually bringing the world into being something from nothing is happening at all times, continuously. And the way that he does this is through the tools that he used to bring this creation about is through the letters, the letters, the Hebrew letters of speech originating in the 10 utterances of creation as outlined in Rashi's in Genesis in the story of the creation of the world. And so we will continue along these lines tomorrow and get deeper into understanding these ideas. So stay tuned, stay with it, and I will speak to you then. Thanks for listening to the It Is Top podcast, hosted by Sarit Switzer. This podcast is dedicated in loving memory of my maternal grandfather, Avraham Yitzhak ben Binyamin Cohen of Blessed Memory. Music by Shoshana. If you enjoyed this episode and would like to support the show, please share it with others and subscribe on YouTube, Apple iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. And make sure to leave us a five-star review. To find out more about the It Is Top project, including more information on my soon-to-be-published book, please visit our website, itistaught.com. To catch the latest from me, follow me on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Looking forward to speaking with you tomorrow, and until then, have a great day.